Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the sustainable development goals and the roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoy today's SDG Talks podcast. You're always going to have people who either don't believe in what you're doing or they don't want you to succeed because you don't fit the mold, really. And so you have to obviously know that there is value in whatever you're building and that you are creating some sort of positive impact. So for us, when people would say no to us or they wouldn't answer us or they were like, this isn't going to work, we would just step back and be like, from the work that we've done so far, have we created a net positive impact? Have people come to us saying that this has helped them in their journey? And if that answer is yes, and if that answer is still yes, that we're creating a net positive impact and not a net negative, then we're going to keep going. SDG Talkers, welcome back. Today, you're going to hear from Michelle Kwok all about SDG 5 gender equality. Michelle is the co-founder and CEO of Flick, which is a women empowerment portal that helps connect different women entrepreneurs. And we're going to learn about how we can elevate women in entrepreneurship. We're going to break down some of the barriers and challenges to women and women of color and how we can get more women within entrepreneurship. It's an awesome interview. A lot of good tips about entrepreneurship and SDG 5. And I hope you enjoy listening. Michelle, welcome to the SDG Talks podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. So where are you located today in the world? Right now, I am located in beautiful Vancouver, Canada. It's the best place in the world. Oh, I love Vancouver. I had the fortune of going there and just for two days and it was at UBC for a day. And I went to University of Wisconsin-Madison, loved it, but I had a little FOMO. I was like, wow, UBC is, is truly one of the most beautiful places, campuses, cities I've ever seen. That's so funny. My uncle, he went to University of Wisconsin-Madison as well. And when he went to UBC, he was like, this is insane. And he was, a, I think he was a varsity captain of the soccer team there. And they, he saw a soccer field at UBC and was like, this is amazing. I, I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a proud badger, but UBC has got it going on. And um, so I, I loved reading your bio. I looked at it. And, and one thing that maybe you get all the time, I, I loved seeing that you had this background in working in or studying medical science, and then you've now become this female entrepreneur. For those of us that don't really know, give us a little context to your story on sort of how you started within the medical realm and then how this transitioned to your organization. Is it Flick or Fleek? Or you, you, you pronounce Flick. it? Right? It's Flick. <laughs> Flick. Yeah. So it's definitely a huge part of my story. I grew up in a traditional Asian immigrant family. My family came here right before I was born. So they, they moved to Canada and they wanted us to be able to be, you know, financially stable, have steady jobs. That was the goal growing up. And I remember that was always something they would talk about. And to get there, my family was like, we moved all the way here. We want you to be a doctor, a lawyer, an accountant or engineer. So, you know, when you grow up and you have kids, you can be financially stable and, and this was all worth it type of thing. So as I was growing up, my parents would always ask me, so which one do you want to be? And I would say, well, I just want to help people. I just, I just want to, you know, make a positive impact. Maybe I didn't say positive impact exactly, but I always be like, oh, I want to help people and I have fun and, you know, get to know people, whatever. And I really liked 
I really liked learning languages. I learned several languages as I was growing up. English, obviously, Spanish, French, Cantonese, Mandarin. And my parents were always like, oh, okay, great. You want to help people. So you should be a doctor. And also you can use all of this language stuff in medicine because there's always this barrier to talking to patients in medicine. And so early on, I think I was about like eight years old, my parents gave me a stethoscope and a stack of anatomy cards. And they're like, great, you're going to be a doctor. And that, I was I was definitely on that straight and narrow path, you know, until I went to university. I even went to university for medical sciences. I started working in renowned labs when I was 15. I went to Imperial College London to work in their flu and viruses lab. And actually that lab is the one that's starting to create a coronavirus test today. And I even worked in neuroimaging labs and gastroenterology labs. But the more that I was at school for medical sciences and in university, it was so narrow. And I'd always loved so many things. Like I'd always been known as a jack of all trades type of thing. And my, my mom always said it was a bad thing. She would be like, oh, you have so many knives in your drawer. It's this Chinese saying, like, you have so many knives in your drawer, but none of them are sharp. And it was because I was pretty good at a lot of things. And I was so passionate about a lot of things. But I didn't identify as an expert, like the expert in one thing. And so that carried on into university where I was super interested in videography and in branding. I got into marketing. I was like, this is awesome. Marketing pretty much drives every business. And then so that's how I got into thinking about business. And I was doing all this stuff on the side while I was in university. Like I was still going for my medical science degree, but I would reach out to startups that I was interested in in learning about and I would do do videography for them. I would do content creation for them. I started working with uh, this brand called Hail Ice Tea and I would create their social media brand online and ads. And and then I got to work with Bumble and they do a lot of work with women in leadership and they were launching a lot of events for black founders, especially black women founders and, and women in tech. And I thought that was really cool. And I got to work with them for a year. And I was doing all of this while I was in my medical sciences degree. And I was like, do I really want to be narrow like this for the rest of my life? Do I want to go to medical school for another four years after this medical sciences degree? And I decided that I didn't want to do that. I, I realized that entrepreneurship and what I was doing at the time, working with all these companies, I got to create events around Gen Z social entrepreneurship and mental health. I got to fly to San Francisco to create this event. I got to work with Headspace and Bumble and Disney and Uber and all these really cool brands. Entrepreneurship opened so many doors. And also I learned that entrepreneurship, you can create and amplify the impact that you want to within your dream job. Like you have the power to create your dream job and you have the power to decide what you want to work on and how you want to make that net positive impact. And so I realized in that moment, you know, I, I can amplify my impact beyond medicine. I can do more than just that one-on-one patient interaction. And obviously we need doctors and medicine is super important, but I just didn't think it was for me. So I ended up going to this program called Next 36 out in Toronto and jumping into the world of entrepreneurship. I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And that's how I started Flick. 
That is awesome. And I loved hearing the, the whole meandering road to entrepreneurship. And I know everyone's path is different in how they get to there. And one thing that I love that you said, and it reminded me of my favorite entrepreneur that I'm sure you're familiar with, and you'll probably have a podcast with him someday is Gary Vaynerchuk, where you know he's all about the passion and authenticity and self-awareness and empathy. And you think about it, if you're waking up every day and you hate your job, and maybe it's because your parents force you into it or whatever, that's a terrible way to live. And if you can wake up every day and love what you do and make however much you need to be comfortable, that is an awesome, in my mind, an awesome, happy life. And it's it's great to hear and see what you've done. And now even I'd, I'd love to hear from, you did this incubator accelerator. Great. How did that catapult and, and where are you now with Flick and what what does Flick do and what does Flick bring to the world? Yeah, so that was the first accelerator incubator startup program I'd ever been in. I got in surprisingly. I really didn't think I was going to, and I I didn't think they were even wanted to really accept me. But I was so persistent. Like I would always email them and be like, "I'm really excited to join your program. I'm really excited to join your program." Until I got that email that day. And so the day that I got the email that I got into Next36, I actually still had a year of my medical science degree left to do. And so instead, I, I got the email. There were 15 minutes left in academic counseling. And I went to academic counseling. I walked in and I was like, I need to switch my degree so I can graduate early so I can be an entrepreneur and I can start a business. <laughs> and she's like, whoa, 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 slow down. What are you doing? And I was like, I need to switch my degree right now so I can graduate in three years because I was doing an honors degree. And so instead, I just, I didn't do my thesis. And so in 15 minutes, I made that decision to switch my degree to a Bachelor of Science major in medical science instead of my Bachelor of Medical Science. Doesn't make a huge difference. But that's when I knew that I had committed myself to this entrepreneur life, and I didn't even know what I was getting into. And the first day I walked into Next36, I was like, do I belong here? Because immediately you could see the gender disparity, you know, less than 18% of our cohort were women. And we didn't really have that many female founders and mentors to access. And it wasn't because they didn't try to bring them in. They definitely did. They brought in like the CEO of Kijiji. They brought in the founder of Two Small Fish Ventures. She's one of the very few women in Canada leading a venture firm. But it's just the truth that there is a huge gender disparity in entrepreneurship and that shows from the ground up. And so I struggled a lot in that first month. I struggled a lot with, do I belong here? I've never had entrepreneurship or business experience and everybody else here is technical or they went to business school or they've worked in VC finance. Everybody seems to know what they're talking about. People would be cold called in class and would still be so confident in whatever they were saying. Whereas my background, I come from classes of like 300 to 500 in sciences. Nobody cold calls you and you're either right or wrong. You don't talk your way out of something. And so without this previous experience, without all of these networks that everybody else had had, without having started a business, I didn't even know entrepreneurship was a thing until I just before I got into the program. And all these people around me being like tech whizzes, the next Elon Musk type of vibe. I'm like, I don't look like these people. I don't really talk like these people. I don't know if I belong here and I can't find ever anybody or any proof that I do belong here because there's no mentors that I can look up to. And I, I'm like, wow, that looks like me or, oh, that person had the same story as me. I can, just, I can do what they're doing. And so more and more 
me and my roommate who ended up being my co-founder, Ravina, we realized that the key was to find mentors that looked like us, that had gone through the same things, that had the same barriers and challenges and ask them how they got through it. So the seed idea of Flick was, it was just a side hustle. It was a, it was a media company at the beginning. We just wanted to go and coffee chat female founders so that they would talk to us and tell us how to do anything and tell us like, do we even belong here? And we realized that we were nobodies, right? They weren't going to just randomly coffee chat us. We started Flick as a company, a media company. We made a website in 48 hours. We made a press kit. We made like a cold email template. We made our logos and everything. And we incorporated so that we could reach out to all these female founders. And we were like, we're a company. We're looking to show the untold stories of visionary women. Basically, please meet with us. And so they all said, yes. They were like, oh my gosh, this is an amazing mission. Even though we had nothing, <laughs> we we had just started this company. We had this brand behind us. We were starting to build an audience, and we had students that were really interested in what we could put out. And we were chatting with all these female founders, so we got to meet a lot of these female founders first. And again and again, from the female founders, we would hear, "I'm so under resourced. I'm so undercapitalized. Their businesses were amazing. They they were powerhouses. You know they." They were definitely underestimated because a lot of the female founders were also building businesses for other women to help support other women. But the investors that they were going to at the tables were all people who didn't go through the barriers that women have gone through. So they didn't need that. They didn't know that women needed those businesses. So they would say no to investing. For example, one of the founders that we were talking to, Polly Rodriguez, she faced 309 investor rejections because men didn't understand women's needs in for sexual health. And on her 310th, thank God she kept going because he said yes. And now she, she has like millions in revenue and is one of the top women in sexual health, but she had to jump through so many hoops to get there. And then on the other side, for the female students who were listening to all of our interviews, we heard time and time again, like, I didn't know that there were women in tech. I didn't know there were women in entrepreneurship. I thought all the founders out there were like Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Elon Musk. I don't look like them. How can I meet women like this? How can I talk to women like this? Can you connect me? And so all of these interviews started becoming organic user feedback. We'd be like, oh, that's so interesting. We're hearing this and this again and this and this again. Why don't we just connect these two together? It seems like female founders are always needing help. And students are always looking to connect with mentors and they also need experience. Students are always looking for career relevant experience. And so instead in January, 2020, the, the side hustle media company, we decided to launch a portal to it an apprenticeship portal where female founders and leaders can connect with students from around the world through meaningful apprenticeships so that founders can get helping hands in their businesses. And students are able to gain career-relevant experience, skills training, and mentorship under established female leaders. And we just launched it at first as a wait list. And within a few weeks, we had like 800 people from around the world on this wait list. Wow. So we were like, okay, we got we to gotta launch this thing. And so we launched it and we've been working on it ever since. And so Flick from this media company, we still put out content for all, all of our community and we still build content with our community. But we have definitely grown because of this apprenticeship portal. And since January, we've matched over 1,200 women from 46 countries around the world. And we have 4,500 women who have signed up for our portal. So it's definitely been pretty crazy. 
epic, Michelle. That is so cool. And, and props to you for not doing your thesis because you know who's going to care about that? No one. I mean, I'm sure it would have been a good thesis, but I think what you're doing now is, is more important than any thesis you would have written because you're kind of writing a new one. But I loved hearing your story and, ask, and how that question led to realizing there was a problem and then wanting to maybe solve it, create some solution. We're asking, do I belong here? And how do I, that kind of sense of like, man, like with, I'm looking around me, they don't look like me. But frankly, as you've found, there actually are a lot of other people like you out there. There just was a, a lot, not the connection. And I liked hearing you talk about you started cold calling and cold emailing people and in the story of the lady of 309 no's and then one yes from a pure entrepreneurship kind of perspective what's what's that why is getting said no to and, and having some failure important and kind of just talk just briefly about don't why we should never be discouraged if you have an idea and why you should push past someone saying no to you the thing that i've learned the most from this journey is that you're always going to have people who either don't believe in what you're doing or they don't want you to succeed because you don't fit the mold really. And so you have to obviously know that there is value in whatever you're building and that you are creating some sort of positive impact. So for us, when people would say no to us or they wouldn't answer us or they were like, this isn't going to work, we would just step back and be like, from the work that we've done so far, have we created a net positive impact? Have people come to us saying that this has helped them in their journey? And if that answer is yes, and if that answer is still yes, that we're creating a net positive impact and not a net negative, then we're going to keep going. The no's for us, I think were super important because they would drive us to be better and to create something that was more efficient, that was improved, that was something that that person would either love when we brought it to them or something they would be jealous of. <laughs> it was, I think the no's really drive you because one, they make you rethink everything. You have to reflect on whatever you're building. The no's make you reflect on what you're building. Cause every time you hear a no intuitively, you're going to be like, then should I just stop? But the answer should never be like, we should stop. It should be like, do we iterate? Or do we, do we bring on someone on a team who is really good at this thing? Or So it, it's the best time for you to reflect and be better, improve and be more efficient. And also the no's will fire you up. You know, then a yes is just going to like pad you, you know, then a yes is going to be like, oh, great. We're just going to do whatever we're doing. But the no's like make you innovate. And the no's are like, we got to work even harder. We got to work faster. We we gotta, we got to work more. So I think the no's are so essential throughout the journey. If you have a bunch of yeses, then you're just going to stay stagnant. And you're going to be like, I'm already at the top of the mountain. I'm doing the best that I could possibly be doing. But you should never have that mentality. Right. I think whatever we're doing, we always have the underdog mentality being like, we are at the bottom. Uh, and we're going to keep grinding and keep grinding. And you should never think that you're at the top. Couldn't agree more. And I mean, you see it in sports too. Many athletes talk about, yeah, they have a lot of wins and they love them, but they'll always talk about how the L's are the ones that they remember the most. And when you have an L and you get punched in the mouth figuratively, you have to remember to not get complacent. You got to stay hungry and humble. And yeah. that that's that also motivates me. So I, I kudos and respect on that. So back to some of the earlier conversations specific to Flick, how is Flick elevating women 
in entrepreneurship and particularly, and maybe even within that context, give us some paint a picture on what are these barriers and challenges that exist for women and, and, and especially women of color and, and, and how does Flick work to enhance and empower female entrepreneurship? Yeah. So definitely one thing that I want to highlight is that, like I said, before we started the podcast, we just recently re- uh, released the future female founders report. And it was so interesting because one of the top reasons, one of the top things that founders identified that is needed in order to achieve equity in the future for female founders is earlier exposure to entrepreneurship for young women. And I just think that there's so many barriers and challenges that women have to go through to get to even entrepreneurship or to get to even understanding what entrepreneurship is. Because one, we don't have role models in the space. In our report, unfortunately, 81% of women of color identified that they did not have a role model in the entrepreneurship community that resonated with their identity when they were growing up. And I am one of those people. I grew up thinking, what is an entrepreneur? It's Mark Zuckerberg and Facebook. I cannot build that. So I'm not going to be that. And when you're growing up, you always look at your parents or people that you can identify with or people that look like you to say, oh, I belong there. I look like them. I belong there. So role models is a huge thing that is an issue. And then in terms of gender roles and societal roles, when we're growing up, especially me growing up in a very traditional environment, when I was growing up, like my, my grandma told me that my role in life was basically to be a good wife. And my parents were a little bit more progressive than her. And they were like, but if you're going to have a, if you are going to be a great mom and a great wife and have a great family, you also need to contribute a steady income. So you should be a doctor. And so there are these gender roles and societal roles that are put into place and entrepreneurship in, at least in my community is seen as something that's very cutthroat, something that's like financial based and very male. So you have to be a shark, a shark in the tank type of thing. And that's usually looked down upon for women. Like women are supposed to be more tame and they're supposed to not shake, uh, not rock the boat. So there's a lot of like role model things, gender gender roles and societal roles that play into that. And then on top of that, it's tough to even understand entrepreneurship because at that point, if you've been growing up this entire time thinking that entrepreneurship is not for you, you're not going to try to do it in university when you're supposed to be going for your dream job. And you don't really get introduced to it in university either. There, there are rarely any programs that are like, this is entrepreneurship. And then if there are, then it's usually, like I said, there's so many barriers there because all these men who grew up thinking, I'm going to be an entrepreneur because I look like Mark Zuckerberg or I look like all these people who are in tech, they feel like they were built to be in entrepreneurship. So they're more likely to be in those clubs, to be in those classes. And women who are trying to get there and trying to break in feel like they don't belong like I did when I was first at Next36. So there's so many barriers as you're growing up and there's so many challenges that you don't realize stack on top of each other that even when you get to the point where you could potentially get exposed to entrepreneurship, it's so hard because it might be accessible, quote unquote, in the way that, oh, you can join the club or, oh, you can join the class. But when you join the club or join the class, do you feel like you belong there? Do you feel like you can raise your hand and say something? Do you feel like you can debate people there? 
probably not. And you're probably one of very, very few women there, right? So there's so many ways in which we face barriers and challenges and just kind of blockages as we're growing up that that lead us to just walk away from entrepreneurship and not even consider it as an option. And I'm very fortunate and I grew up with a loving mother and three sisters and kind of very much learned and believe that a matriarchal run, not only household in certain ways, but particularly societies are usually run better. You know, and I, I think a lot of ways, women in leadership and women in management, I have, I have a woman manager as well. Just, it just works better. I, you know, the phrase that who run the world girls, like I think there's some, uh, it's maybe funny, but there's truth to it where it, we need more balance in it, but especially just more women in roles of management and roles of entrepreneurship. So within your, within Flick, how do you break these gender norms of whether it's that you don't belong here or you, you shouldn't participate? How is it that, is it just sort of like this, and you kind of mentioned it's sort of like matchmaking. Is it like almost like a online dating, but for matchmaking with entrepreneurships and, and mentorship or how does that, how does Flick empower those that are looking to get more exposure within this women entrepreneurship realm? Yeah. I mean, as a student, you can come onto our platform and find mentors from all across every industry. I think a really good thing that we did at the beginning was we looked in male-dominated industries first for women in tech, women in AI, women in finance, so that we could find women of color, like different types of women, non-binary people to, to come to our community and connect with the students that also identified that way, but also wanted to get into all these industries that they thought that they didn't belong in. So on the platform, you'll be able to find women of all types across all industries to connect with, whether you're a student or whether you're a founder. And so young women are able to have exposure to entrepreneurship earlier. They're able to see the inner workings of entrepreneurship when they get connected to a mentor or founder. And the way that happens is we don't do, like we don't say you're gonna be a perfect fit for each other. We want you to be able to find your perfect fit. So everybody has tags, you know, they they have the desired skills that they're looking for, they have the industries that they're in, they talk about their bio, they add like culture stuff. So like fun facts about me, things that I love, because we know that building a relationship amongst women is beyond the very corporate tags of, oh, I, I'm good at social media. It's what do you like? Do you eat sushi? And, and then do you, you know, you have those like baseline things that you both resonate on. And so we include all of that in the profiles. We allow tags and you can search for different types of people and you can connect with anyone. It, it allows you to have a safe space, both as a founder and as a mentee in order to discover one another, to know that you're both there to look for each other, that you both want to work together on a meaningful project. That's not going to be something like, I don't know, you're going to just like be entering data or something. You're going to, this is a place where you are onboarded, you build a meaningful relationship with somebody, you reflect on your goals, you look at your personal goals, you see how you can get there. You build this relationship over time that hopefully is a lifelong relationship. You get to, you get to tap into the network of this other female founder who probably has other amazing women who are in her network or male allies who are in her network that can help you advance your career. And then on the female founder side, you also get to give back by exposing these young women to your business, to your company, to this industry, to your network, and building up somebody that 
is living a reality that you used to live and you can knock down the barriers and the challenges for that young woman. And at the same time, she's helping you build your business and knocking down your current barriers and your current challenges to being underrepresented and under-resourced. Well said, Michelle. And when, when you see the, the SDGs, I know the, for the, the UN and the Social the Sustainable Development Goals, and you, you look at SDG 5 around gender equality, and, and just within your work as well, like what's something that really excites you as it pertains to seeing some progress in this, in the work towards SDG five and, and what's something that keeps you up at night and scares you as it pertains to this whole uh, initiative and effort to accomplish the, the goal set forth in SDG five. Something that excites me is that, I think more than ever in the past five years, there have been way more organizations and resources that have been building up to support women from all around the world. And with all these resources and organizations, I think a lot of governments have also put in money in order to build up these resources and organizations and have trusted people who are who've had those lived experiences in order to build these organizations instead of saying, oh, we're the government, we're going to create this program. Um, so I think that has been, been a really good shift that the government has kind of handed the mic over to people who have had lived experiences and who are domain experts in order to build these programs. I think what scares me though, is that events like COVID-19 are amplifying the issues that have been so systemic in terms of gender inequality. And it's slowing down a lot of the efforts that all these organizations have been running towards because we have been building all these organizations and all of these resources over time. But right when COVID hit, the first thing that's going to go is all of these resources, right? Like people aren't going to just give money to all these nonprofits anymore. They're going to keep the money for themselves. And we've seen that so much, especially with nonprofits that we've been working with, that they're saying for the first time, like, I don't think we're going to be able to run this event or these resources or we're going to have to lay off all these people. And so all of this momentum that we've been building up over the last five years is kind of coming to a halt now. And that's, that's been amplified and, and really, really clear in our future female founders report that we found from PitchBook news that in the last, this fundraising round has been the lowest for female founders in the last three years. And we've been slowly climbing up. You know, I think last year, female founders raised 2.8% of all VC money. And that's so low already. Unfortunately, that has been an increase from previous years. But now we're at an all-time low in the last three years because of events like COVID-19. So I think what scares me is that, yes, we've had all of these inequalities amplified recently, but what are we going to do about it? And are we doing anything about it? Michelle, well said. I love the passion, love the fire, love the hustle. And if kind of the final plug, if people want to learn more or get connected or, or get involved with you or Flick, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, if you're a female founder who's looking to get help in your businesses and you also want to mentor some young women and connect with a powerful network of other female founders at Flick, uh, check us out at weareflick.com. And same with all the apprentices or students out there who are interested in apprenticeships with all these amazing female founders. You can find us at all of our socials at weareflick and feel free to connect with me, Michelle Kwok, K-W-O-K, on LinkedIn. 
We are Flick. I love it, Michelle. Thanks so much and have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the STG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow STG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash in United Nations community. The goal of the STG Talks is to bring you good content. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on STG Talks.